There was a time when the wine world was ruled by the dark side, under the reign of the unmerciful god of snobbery known as Pretentious. And sadly, a small but influential group of wine drinkers continue to embrace all that Pretentious stands for. But the times, they are a-changin'. And today, millions of wine lovers longing for the freedom to enjoy wine without ridicule are determined to make pretentious passe. Grape Encounters Radio was created to provide a voice for wine lovers around the world who believe that the very best things to pair with wine are friends, laughter, dashes of decadence, and tons of fun. Here's your host, David Wilson. Oh, 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 you never guess what I put in the soup. Are you curious? Oh, 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 you never guess what I put in the soup. Oh, I got French onions. But they might make me cry. I've got garlic, but it makes my breath stink. Isn't it exciting when somebody you love to hang with moves into your neighborhood? You know, somebody that you haven't seen in a really long time, or you don't see as often as you would like. Anyway, I have that good fortune, and not only is that person a wonderful person to hang with, but man, oh man, when it comes to wine and food, he's got credentials like almost no other. His name is William Carter. You've heard him on this show a few times. He's been one of my favorite guests, but I don't get to him too often. But now he's left his position, which some of you are going to say, wow, I'd want to do that for life. But no, he and his wife have started an amazing place in the middle of wine country, very near where the Grape Encounter studio is at. He is William Carter. And William, for 28 and a half years, head chef at the Playboy Mansion. Wow, what an intro. The house that Hef built. The house that Hef built, the Playboy Mansion. I wonder how many meals you served Hef over the years. I started counting, and then I stopped counting. Really? Uh, Yes. Between Hef and all the international clientele that come through the doors there, into the bunny hutch, probably 100,000 a year. That's how busy it got. So I want to talk about food, but I really want to talk about wine, because you're a wine guy, and it's funny, I didn't meet you at the Playboy Mansion, although, you know, as many know, I'm an institution there. Actually, (laughs) I've never been in there. I've been into more institutions than the Playboy (laughs) Mansion. But the mansion has a very interesting wine program. You're a wine guy. You're very well known in wine circles as being a top-notch wine judge. That's right. As well. And then, on top of everything else, you have now purchased, along with your wife, a place called the Canyon Villa, and that is in the heart of Paso Rebels. Yes, it's it's on the west side, five minutes from the 101 highway. Back to wine, though, I really got my knowledge of wine going when I was at the Playboy Mansion, when I saw what wines they were offering, which wasn't much at all, David, and I was able to say, let's take the ball and grow this to something fantastic. Really? So you weren't impressed with what they were doing before you got there? No, I was underwhelmed to say the least. I went ahead and proposed to the general manager a business model of doing by the glass or BTG of a variety of different wines. So as the guests, and can you imagine the request for wine we would get with 100,000 people a year flowing through there? Somebody wants a Zinfandel. Maybe they want a Zinfandel from Napa. Maybe they want it from the Lodi Sierra Foothills area. Maybe they want a beautiful Riesling from the Finger Lakes region or a Merlot from Long Island or a Chardonnay from Virginia, which, by the way, I would really check out Chardonnay.
Mays from Virginia. One of the ones that comes to mind immediately for me is the Thomas Jefferson Vineyards. Yeah. They make a reserve yeah. Chardonnay that'll rock your socks. They make good wines, period. Yes. Yes, I agree. Very, very, very nice. So you carried wines from all over the world, obviously. Yes. And that made my job pleasurable because you get to taste them and before you even buy them. Were you tasting wine all the time? I would schedule tasting appointments early in the morning when your palate is freshest. So it's okay to have a drink first thing in the morning, but I would taste and spit. But by 9.30 in the morning, three times a week, I was taking notes. I'm not as good a note taker as some of the better wine judges out there. But at the same time, I take notes, I scan them, I file them. I know exactly when to pull the trigger on which wines to serve to my guests. So for the people who were selling the wine, was the Playboy Mansion a huge point of pride to be able to get your wine into the mansion? I imagine that gave a lot of those people bragging rights. It gave a lot of wineries and distributors bragging rights to say their wine is being poured at the Playboy Mansion. When the wine reps would come in, would they want to have the meetings out by the pool in the grotto? They would like to have them in the grotto if they could, yes. Yeah, but that absolutely. didn't happen, right? So I, were you one of those I said no ah, to? No. <laughs> Hey, so we're talking to William Carter. William Carter, 28 and a half years, executive chef at the Playboy Mansion, and now decided to get a little closer to the people that you love cooking for. And you and Catherine spearheaded the purchase of this amazing villa called the Canyon Villa. Yes, located in in Paso Robles, which a year ago was named the wine country of the year, and they are really in the thick of it. But like, it's just this gorgeous place. Believe me, I've been there. I've done that. The Rooms are amazingly beautiful, and Chef Carter will cook for you personally. Now imagine a guy with his resume cooking, and and the guests can come in the kitchen and talk to you. You know, David, you're absolutely right. You don't club them with a baseball bat. Oh, no. We have what's called an open-door policy to our kitchen. And like in somebody's home, when you're having a party, people like to hang out in the kitchen. They want to see what's going on. I have so many private clients that say, we want you to be cooking in our kitchen so we can have everybody come into our new fancy thousand-foot square kitchen. And it's really something. So it's a lot of fun. But what I get to do now, David, is I get to grassroots cook the food that I want to cook every day and just create. And oh boy, can I tell you, they get really nice stuff. We've actually been pouring sparklers at breakfast for people well, as, as well. You should. So yeah. <laughs> start the day off before they go wine tasting. But at, in the afternoon when we have wine hour, we serve small plates. It's not like other bed and breakfasts where they're getting sliced cheeses or reheated mini weenies out of a can. I am doing authentic food that has great flavors. So at the end of the day, when you've been out all day, whether you go to Hearst Castle or Cambria to the beaches or hit the wineries, you come back, you read a book, you unwind, and then you come in for wine hour into our gorgeous dining room. Fantastic. And they could bring their own wine in too, right? Yes. The guests can bring their own wine. Now, when a guest comes and visits you, is one of the first orders of business to sit down and help them navigate the very extensive wine tasting map that is the Paso Robles and Associated AVAs? That map that you're referring to is just getting bigger and bigger. And what I have done with my winery connections, I have gone ahead and created a paper, which I call a VIP tasting list or menu. It's almost like a wine list. Like you go into a restaurant and you say, I'd like to see the wine list. I replicated one of those with each winery and who to contact at those 
wineries. So I, I hand you the piece of paper. I talk to you about it. I show you this crazy map. But what I suggest that our guests do, if they're with us for three, four days, which some guests are doing now because it's a wonderful thing, you, you get a free dinner, a Sunday supper with my wife and myself. You are a personal guest when you stay that third night or fourth night with us. But you have to do the dishes. Yeah, I know. They don't. No, no, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I look at these hands. These are doing dishes right here. But in all seriousness, what we'll do is with that crazy map that David is alluding to is that we'll geographically place them in different areas over their three days. So they're not having to ping pong back and forth across, what is it now, 300 bonded wineries? Yeah, a yeah. lot. <laughs> a lot, yeah. A lot. Well, I just love this because, as you know, I have a brick and mortar wine tasting room along with my wife. And we don't call it a tasting room anymore. We call it a wine drinking room. <laughs> I want to drink some wine. Yeah. And for those of you out there that would love to come by, you should, because you do drink wine. I have been a victim of this on a number of occasions. A victim. <laughs> you know, if that's being a victim, then I think a lot of people will want to be victimized. They will be. Yeah. They will be. You will not be taken advantage of. You'll be victimized. Because... I, you know, we have people, honestly, that have come from all over the U.S. that are listeners that come and they just want to experience the Grape Encounters lifestyle and the things that we really stand for, because we take a very different approach to wine enjoyment than any of the other folks out there. I love reading Spectator and Enthusiast and looking at other people who are doing things journalistically about wine, but, you know, we tell people to take chances. It's not safe for certain people to, to say that. Right. You know, we were in the green room earlier before we came on air, and we were discussing just this point, and the respect that I have for your wine shop, if you want to call it that, but it's really a combination of things. It's, it's a mashup because it's an education, too, and that's why people are coming here is because there's a wonderful education that they get. They will not get that same experience at any other wine bar or enoteca in this area. What is offered at the Emporium is that you're getting an education. You're getting the opportunity to purchase hand-selected wines that may be undervalued. You may be getting a great deal on a great bottle of wine that nobody else will They're sell. They're all undervalued. So The whole bunch of them. <laughs> you know, it's funny how many times I'll look at how much a bottle of wine sells for and I'll go, really? I just had a taste of it. And I go, $22? This tastes like 50, 60 bucks. Yeah, it's drinking like, as we really, call that, really drinking, the, drinking really like the, a $60 bottle of wine. Anyway, we're talking to William Carter. He and his wife, Catherine, now run the Canyon Villa in Paso Robles. This is quite an estate. It is amazing. But William, the former head chef at the Playboy Mansion for 28 and a half years, if you can imagine that, and has been the ringleader at a number of really exclusive restaurants. Before that, he's a wine judge, has a major catering business, and knows a whole lot about the fruit of the vine. We're going to come back and talk about what them rich people that would wander into the Playboy Mansion, what they drank, and whether or not what they're drinking is any different than what you and I are drinking. That next on Grape Encounters Radio. We like to talk about wine. We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin wine access system costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works perfectly. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. 
Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link online at GrapeEncounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called Two Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. It's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online, as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free trade chocolate-covered walnuts. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there, and bottles of two horse, of course. Purchase and shipping subject to state and local regulations. Please see mmorganics.com for more information. And now suited up in a little number from his Tommy Bahama wine lover's wardrobe, here's the guy who went from hipster to sipster, David Wilson. With Grape Encounters Radio, and so happy to have one of my buds who has left one mansion for a mini mansion, William Carter. He and his wife Catherine running the Canyon Villa in Paso Robles, right in the thick of wine country on the central coast of California. Imagine coming to the Canyon Villa and being pampered by the executive chef of 28 and a half years from the Playboy Mansion. People got to really get off on that. Well, I just kept my nose to the grindstone and kept going on with it and everything. And it is pretty much every man's dream to come to the Playboy Mansion at some point in time. But not cook there. For- but not cook there. But I had everything available to me. David, I had a great vendors that supplied me stuff from all around. But speaking of vendors, I would serve premium wines at not so premium prices. What's that mean? That means that I could serve you blind a glass of wine and say, guess the price point on this. And you may say, this is is drinking like a $28 bottle of wine. And I'll say, David, I paid $6 for that bottle of wine. And you're going to say, no, come on, not in the Playboy Mansion. You serve the good stuff there, the expensive stuff as well, right? We served some expensive wine. What you're saying is the inexpensive stuff was the good stuff. It was the good stuff. And to a lot of people who thought they were wine connoisseurs, they'd swear that I was serving them a $35 bottle of wine when it was only maybe only a $12 or $14 bottle of wine. But you would disclose to somebody who was loving the wine what the cost of the wine was. Was there ever anybody that felt like you were passing off cheap wine on them? Oh, or, no. Or did they understand that it doesn't matter how much the wine costs, it matters how much you love the wine? Well, let's back up a little bit. First, they'd come up to me as I was out there asking everybody if they're enjoying the party, which obviously they are. It's the Playboy Mansion. But they would ask me, uh, so tell me about this wine. It's interesting. And I'm a wine expert. And I'd say, you are, are you? And they would say, yeah. Yes. And I'd say, well, this is a Cabernet Sauvignon. This is from Napa Valley. And then they'd say, how much was this wine and where, where can, can I, I get it? it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Where can I get it? Yeah. And I'd say, well, first of all, it's not $40. And yes, you can get it at one of your more popular package stores or wine stores. But I would 
would also tell them that, are you ready? This was $12 a bottle. And they just are in shock and they would thank me for it. And then, believe it or not, they would also write, if they were a personal friend of Mr. Hefner's, they would write him a letter saying how nice it was that the chef turned him on to a decent bottle of wine that they were so impressed with. And not only with the flavors of it, but also with the price. Or did Mr. Hefner ever send you a note and say, William, you passed off a $6 bottle of wine on the chic of XYZ country? <laughs> you had some Actually, chics go through there, right? I believe we did. And, yes. and some very chic people. We had all very the time, right? She, she people all the time. But no, I never had my hand slapped like that. The officials at Playboy were very pleased with my wine connections, so to say. Yeah. Where they could get that big, important label for a banker's dinner, as well as the everyday juice as the house wines. We had a fabulous, David, by the glass program. So if the two of us were at the Playboy Mansion visiting for the day and I wasn't cooking there, and you said, you know, I'm in the mood for a Pinot Noir. What do you have? And the butler may say, well, we have this lovely Pinot Noir from the Santa Cruz Mountains. Butler? There's butlers there? There's butlers there. And I might say, I would like a Pinot Noir from the Russian River Valley. And they may reply that, guess what, guys? You're in luck today. You're going to have a Pinot from the Santa Cruz Mountains, and you're going to have a Pinot from the Russian River Valley or wherever. We had wines from all around the world, David. Actually, our sparkling wine by the glass was a sparkling Burgundy. Yes, fabulous wine. And the point was that there are sparkling wines outside of the Champagne region. Not to knock them, they make great champagnes. But we also had Cava's from Spain. We had wines from Greece. I opened a vintage 1985 red wine from Greece that when- You know that you're sitting in the studio with the U.S. ambassador to the wines of Nausa, Greece, northern Greece. Really? Did you not know that? You know what? I Do you know that I have a sash and everything? And do you know that I have diplomatic immunity? <laughs> you need immunity from anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey, we're talking to William Carter. I met him because he's a really well-known and highly respected wine judge. He has been at the helm of some of the finest restaurants in the country. But for the last 28 and a half years, for whatever reason, I can't understand why, he hung out as the executive chef at the Playboy Mansion. That's got to get old. Uh, you know, beautiful people and great food and amazing wines all the time. I just, I, I, I can't imagine. Well, that's it. It's, it's all the time. It was a lot of fun. But... I had to go on and do something else with my life. And my wife and I were at a juncture in our lives together. We've been married 30 glorious years. She's a class act. And she's hysterical. (laughs) Yeah, she is. Especially after two glasses of wine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Catherine, I mean that in the kindest way. I know you're listening. (laughs) But we decided we needed to do something else with our lives. We needed to reach for more challenges. And to do that, we decided to purchase a gorgeous Italian Tuscany villa called the Canyon Villa bed and breakfast. It is surrounded by vineyards and olive farms. And I would encourage all your listeners to go to our website. You're the, doing a commercial right now. Uh, You're doing a commercial on I'm, my I'm show. Do, yeah, yeah. Shameless. <laughs> but I tell you what, I so appreciate how many of you have come across the country to hang with me at the Grape Encounters Emporium. And you know what? Come hang with William. You come here, hang with us. We'll double team you. The good news is I am only five minutes down the highway from David's store. And yeah. it is where my wife and I love to hang out. 
out. All right, shameless plug, but the website is thecanyonvilla.com. Thank you, David. You know what? I give it the highest marks because I have had Chef Carter cook for my wife and me. All right, that's all the time we got. We got to do the Grape Encounters news next. Oh, no. Well, There's way too much news for me to keep you on for much longer. I I would love to come back. You can come back anytime. Check it out, thecanyonvilla.com. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. It's time to take a quick break. So give a listen to these important messages for wine lovers. You're only a few sips away from the next chapter of today's episode of Grape Encounters. Remember, sip, don't chug. Grape Encounters Radio is always on the lookout for great story ideas, even if they're completely and totally off the wall. So here's the deal. Share your story ideas with me or send a question you'd like to hear answered on the show. If I use your question or suggestion, I'll send you a special gift from EpicStyle.com. I want to know what you want to know. You can contact me on the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook or email david at grapeencountersradio.com. If you've got something for me, I've got something for you. If you'd like to hear more no-nonsense talk about wine and all the fun that goes with it, check out winetalkshow.com. At winetalkshow.com, you'll find a massive library of content for fun-loving, unpretentious people who aren't afraid to step outside the lines and challenge conventional wisdom. We'll take you places you've never been before. That's a promise. Expand your wine horizons in unimaginable ways at winetalkshow.com. A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called Two Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. It's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online, as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free trade chocolate-covered walnuts. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there, and bottles of two horse, of course. Purchase and shipping subject to state and local regulations. Please see mmorganics.com for more information. Grape Encounters presents what we heard through the grapevine. Today's top news, trends, and stories. with Grape Encounters Radio. Hey, we didn't have the Grape Encounters news last week. And actually, it was kind of a slow news week, but this week has made up for it. And now, sitting in the news booth here in the Grape Encounters studio is none other than our chief wine news correspondent, wearing what? (laughs) (laughs) What have you got on your head, Larry Gifford? Those, my friend, are my bunny ears. (laughs) (laughs) You thought it only appropriate. Did you get those from William? No, these are my own. I got them for my wife for Valentine uh, for Halloween. 
<laughs> Which was it? Valentine's Day or Halloween? It may have been our anniversary. It, it makes a, it makes, well, okay. <laughs> anniversary, Valentine's Day, I'm reading into it. <laughs> Halloween, not so much. But they make me look perky. They do make you look fit and trim, though. Yeah. I will tell you that. Well, no, they make you look fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good look on you. I, Thank they're you. actually, uh, it's funny because I was on Playboy Radio. Oh, you were? A couple of times, yeah. Yeah. As a guest, actually giving Valentine's Day wine advice. Wow. Yeah, a couple times. And for a while after I did that interview, my profile picture on Facebook was me with bunny ears. Nice. But I, frankly, pulled it off. You're not pulling it I'm off. I'm not pulling it off. I'll take them off. No, you look like a jack rabbit. Wait Rabbit, a rabbit. <laughs> All right. We're kind of going to do a little extra news because, man, I'll tell you what. Last week was very slow news week. This week, yeah. craziness. Double shot of news. Go for it, Lawrence. All right. There is a 100% chance of El Nino this summer, which brings good news and bad news with it. Is that a hundred percent chance of rain or, and does anybody outside of California even know or care about El Nino? Do, um, do they hear about El Nino on the East Coast? Well, it's on You're the from national back that news. Way. It's usually NBC and CBS and ABC cover it, CNN cover it. Yeah, but I mean, is that just like a Pacific Ocean thing? I'm not it a meteorologist. A Pacific, it is a yeah. Pacific Ocean it's thing. It's a totally Absolutely. Pacific Ocean thing. Yeah. So, so let me finish the story and then we can talk about whether it's relevant. But my job is to interrupt <laughs> you. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Scientists at the International Research Institute for climate and society are making the prediction of 100% chance of El Nino and say the wet weather could bust the drought in California. Could. Could. But it could. That's the good news. <laughs> yeah, this is the bad news. It could also bring widespread flooding and hurricane force winds by December. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, take your pick. Yeah, good news is the grapevines are going to get plenty of water. The bad <laughs> news is they're going to be blown to Arizona. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll be buying our, our wine. In yeah. Nevada. It's, you'll see the Wicked Witch under a big pile of grapevines. Right, exactly. And seriously, so it's going to be wet. Does it mean it's going to be wet or does it just mean that it's the. It's going to be wet. I mean, El Nino wet with it, rain. And, and we're going to just get everything. Wind. So it's going to be you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. Now, there are other meteorologists out there saying that it's a bit too soon to be making this definite proclamation about El Nino, but the scientists at the International Research Institute for Climate and society, you're saying, done deal. What does that mean, climate and society? That's what they named themselves. I'm sure it, there was a clever turn of the phrase there or something. The Institute for Climate and Society. Yeah, well, you know, it all it all impacts society, right? Okay. Yeah, I, I frankly I mean, am going to be very excited when this whole drought thing is over. And it's funny because when I talk to friends on the, and even listeners who come out here from the East Coast or even the Midwest, I mean, Midwest is getting slammed with yeah. wet weather right now. Sure. And they're are like more than willing to have a pipe send water to California. And if you can build an oil pipe to go thousands of miles, like why couldn't you do a right? water pipe, right? Yeah. I mean, just water, right? And then just we take the water that's just going to run off into the ocean anyway, right? That's right. So let's just You know, if it. you and I could spearhead that, just think what heroes we would be on the West Coast. We would be heroes. But the minute we got the pipe in, you know what would happen? There'd be a drought in the Midwest or the <laughs> East Coast, and they would blame it on California. They'd blame it on you, David. Yeah. Anyway, but people here in California been doing rain dances for a long time. Yeah. They're actually, I understand, are people that are given rain dance lessons. No. Oh, yeah. Are you taking them? Because yeah. we should videotape that and put it on YouTube. <laughs> all right. So anyway, 100% chance of El Nino. All right. Moving on. Some and members... this is in all the, by the way, wine trade publications. Yes. This was the lead story. Yeah. Because again, I know we talk more about California wine than other places, but in California, 
90% of the domestic wine consumed in America is made in California. So it's an important story. Some people story. say 95%. Yeah. It's a very important story. In fact, so important, there are members of U.S. Congress wanting to push through legislation that deals with the dwindling supplies of water. Okay. I, I only got a glimpse at this story. Okay. But I have a feeling I'm going to start ranting when I hear the details because well, I saw a few things in the story that kind of... Well, lawmakers are having a hard time figuring out exactly what should go in it. And what are the issues? We wish we knew because nobody's really saying what they're trying to put in it. The McClatchy Papers reports that draft copies of the bills are being kept so tight that you'd think it was top secret. What is going on? There was somebody quoted as saying that Senator Dianne Feinstein was walking around with like duct tape over her lips because she doesn't want anybody to know. And well, she's really she's... been one of the big central figures in the whole California water scene. Well, and what she's saying is like, why should I give you the ammunition to, to poo-poo my bill before I have a chance to put it together the way I wanted to put it together? Like, I'm, I'm not going to tell you everything that I'm putting in it yet because we're still vetting through that process. So I'm not going to give you the language that I'm using just to give you time to rip it apart. So you're defending her. I, I'm saying what she's saying. What happened to transparency? Well, I mean, the government's <laughs> never been that transparent with bills that haven't been put forth. But yet. it would seem to me that Dianne Feinstein has really got to take a very strong advocacy position to solve the water problem in California, the state she represents, because so much of our income is tied to ag well, sure. and wine. Yeah. I wonder if we make more money off of cauliflower and broccoli or off of wine. Well, I mean, if you think about the almonds and the avocado, and the oranges. I bet the ag is more. So I ask a silly question and then you make it serious. Well, yeah, because that's what I do. I'm the serious <laughs> news guy. Yeah, no, no. I, it probably is more. But I don't know. The wine industry continues to grow and it's a, like a multi-billion dollar industry. And unlike a certain computer company that builds all their computers overseas, the ag industry does pay taxes. Yes. Here. Well, just one note, more note on the story. Staffers for House GOP members have reportedly drafted more than 75 pages of proposed language. They're not revealing that either. And a bill could be introduced to the House in June. C could you take those ears off? Sure. Yeah. I can't, I'm, I'm, seriously, <laughs> I'm having like a hard time getting serious with you staring at me with pink fuzzy ears. All right. All right. Oh, better. Thank Moving you. on. Long-term access to water is one of the reasons E&J Gallo is expanding operations in Napa Valley, California. The world's largest family-owned wine company bought two more vineyards in Napa, Cypress wait, wait, Ranch. Wait, wait. How much are we talking? How many acres are we talking here? We're talking 640. 42 acres in Holy the Pope Valley. smoke! 258 of those acres currently are planted with vines, Cab Merlot, Zen, and Malbec. But they're saying one of the reasons they, they want to buy this is because they have that long-term access to water. Water's a big issue, and this is this is surrounded by a natural water supply that they can tap into for some time to come. What is the natural water supply? Do you know? I don't know. But it's there. It's there. I mean, it's... You know, and I heard a bit about this story, and as I understand it, this particular tract of land is going to be for their higher-end products. Oh, good. Yeah. See, a lot of people think that Gallo is merely inexpensive wine, and that's not the case. Gallo has some premium brands. In fact, they have a whole premium brand division, and this is part of, uh, I think, the expansion of their premium brand division. Oh, cool. They just keep moving into the higher-end wines. Great. Okay, I don't I care. I like higher-end wines. I don't care. You know, I respect Gallo, totally. Hey, if it tastes good. Well, it's not just that. It's just that, Gallo, just that? Gallo has really, you know, they've earned everything. 
everything they've got because they have been so responsible for so many of the innovations that have made wine so much better today. Kudos to you, Gallo. Yay, Gallo. Drink a lot of Gallo wine, but kudos to Gallo. So now, you know, California is not the only place on earth dealing with some big weather issues. Mm, Well, I think everything's all screwed up, right? Uh, Our friends in New Zealand right now are battling the biggest storm on earth. Okay. So (laughs) why are you laughing? I just... Do you have something out for the New Zealanders? No, I love the New Zealanders. So, So wait a second. Biggest storm on earth at the moment? Yes. Or biggest storm on earth in recorded history? As far as I can tell at the moment. Could we have some tap dancing sound effects, please? Okay. As f- at so, the moment. So, so this Antarctic storm stretches from Fiji to Antarctica, about 4,700 miles across. That's all the farther it is? Yeah. From Fiji to Antarctica? Yeah. Wow. Okay. 4,700 t- mile long st- That's got to be the biggest storm in history. I, may, well, I mean, Maybe there's bigger even, ones on Mars and Jupiter. What's that? There's bigger ones on Mars and Jupiter. Oh, but no. in this We're world, talking about Earth here. Okay. Yeah. So, so what it's this storm, gigantic this is, storm. So what's that mean to the wine industry in well, New Zealand? So, so temperatures right now are dropping below zero and snow is being done. Because this, you know, get this, this system is acting like a huge shop vac. Because it's connected to, to Antarctica and to Fiji, it's like a big shop vac, and it's sucking the cold air right off the ice and dumping it into New Zealand. It's awesome in a really scary way. So, is it really seriously? Is it really cold in New Zealand right now? Oh yeah, yeah, it's snowing. I mean, they're having storms. Does it normally snow in New Zealand? Well, it's it's winter there now, so it, it's they're saying it's colder than normal, but it's supposed to be heating up towards the uh, warming up uh, towards the end of the week, but wow, it's cold. They're getting some freeze. So they're getting dumped with snow and biggest storm in the history of New Zealand. Any big winds and stuff like that? I don't know. Winds if... are really bad for grapevines. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Especially during bud break. I imagine that. Yeah. If, if this is working like a huge shop vac, there's probably winds involved. So will New Zealand eventually have to change the filter? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Change your Brita filter. Shop vac metaphor yeah. for the biggest biggest storm in history is like a shop vac. Yeah. A shop it vac. It sucks. A shop vac the size of Neptune. Well, I don't know if it's that big. Okay, but a big one it's nonetheless. Big one. Yeah. Okay, what else you got? Uh, horrible winters in the Midwest and East Coast and a shorter than normal ski season in the Sierra Nevada was good news for Napa Valley tourism. Every month of Napa County lodging revenue has increased double digits year to year since December. Wait, so the people instead of skiing... They, They're going wine tasting. They went wine tasting instead. Yep. It's the same crowd, by the way. I mean, a lot of them are. For sure. People but, who, but then like folks in the Midwest and the East Coast just wanted to get rid of, get out of that horrible winter. So they they came West. Wow. So bad weather in the Midwest where there aren't as many ski hills, right? Right. They're not skiers there. Some are. S- s- maybe they're, you know, snowmobiles, right? Snowmobiles, big, yeah. Okay. Four by Which fours. we don't do uh, on the West Coast. And, and so they came out here to visit. And then the people who out here would have gone skiing in Tahoe and places like that yep. where there is no snow, but they did sprinkle white powdered detergent on the mountainsides for people to come down, slide down. That's nice. It's always My brother used to do that, by the way. No. No, it's true. He used to make these little miniature mountains. He was totally into inclement weather. And so he would make these little miniature mountains out of dirt. And then he would go get my mom's laundry detergent and he would sprinkle it on top like snow. 
<laughs> just a little. But we digress. Yes. Anyway, so they've been booked solid. Yeah, and, and get this. So the online travel site Hipmunks says a hotel in Napa will cost about $338 a night right now. Whoa, and you can stay at my house for 100 But But the most expensive place in the U.S. to book a hotel this summer is Sonoma Valley with an average room rate of $417 a night. Wow. You know, I, I wonder if the wineries up there are, you know, kind of embarrassed by that. Because I'm only saying just, sure. beca- just because if you have to spend that much money on a room night, you're going to be buying the cheap stuff, right? Well, but well, how think, many rich people are that, there anyway? I think that's a representation of how booked they are. I think the demand is so high, they just keep jacking up the rates. Yeah. Well, but it's, the, I, I mean, Sonoma and Napa are the two most expensive places to get a hotel in the U.S. this summer. I wonder if they are more expensive than going to some of the wine regions in Europe. We should go investigate. I just did. Oh, yeah. But I was on a cruise ship. Oh. So it was, a, it, it was, a, <laughs> well, you're no help at all. It was, David. Speaking of which, by the way, I'm going to be uh, doing a wine cruise recap next week. All right. So th- you've got more, right? I do have more. Yes. Okay. You know what? We, we got to take a break. Okay. All right. So we'll be back with more Grape Encounters, including our Grape Encounters pet, Larry Gifford. <laughs> right behind you. Just right there. Scratch. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll be back with more right after this. Okay. It's time to swirl, sniff, check out those awesome legs, and do what we all do best. Sip into something more comfortable. We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin wine access system costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works perfectly. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link online at GrapeEncounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. Grape Encounters Radio is always on the lookout for great story ideas, even if they're completely and totally off the wall. So here's the deal. Share your story ideas with me or send a question you'd like to hear answered on the show. If I use your question or suggestion, I'll send you a special gift from EpicStyle.com. I want to know what you want to know. You can contact me on the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook or email david at grapeencountersradio.com. If you've got something for me, I've got something for you. If you'd like to hear more no-nonsense talk about wine and all the fun that goes with it, check out winetalkshow.com. At winetalkshow.com, you'll find a massive library of content for fun-loving, unpretentious people who aren't afraid to step outside the lines and challenge conventional wisdom. We'll take you places you've never been before. That's a promise. Expand your wine horizons in unimaginable ways at winetalkshow.com. Grape Encounters, very user-friendly. Just add your favorite wine and we'll do the rest. Here's your host, David Wilson. Come back, 
we're back with Grape Encounters Radio and continuing the wine news for the week. So many stories out there. And we've got our chief wine news correspondent, Larry Gifford, sitting here. And by the way, first time I have ever seen you sitting in this studio without a glass of wine in your hand. I don't, I, have you gone dry? No, I just was waiting for you to offer something here. Or maybe it's because we've got a prohibition story in here somewhere. We do. You know those old prohibition era You laws. just say the P word and yep. you drop your glass. Like, well, you, yeah. you know, I was born and raised in Westerville, Ohio which was the heart of Prohibition. It's where they started bombing the bars and stuff. Really? Oh, yeah. My grandma was real into that. So your grandma would not be pleased with no, what you're doing today. No, she would not be very happy with me today. No. What but, would she say? Can you imitate your grandma? Oh, Larry, what are you doing? Okay. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, thank you. That was good. Here, have some tapioca pudding. My grandmother would have invited me to drink some of the wine made from grapes that she crushed with her bare feet. And trust me, if you saw my grandmother's feet, you'd know that they didn't need to add any additional yeast. Oh, <laughs> yikes. My little Italian grandmother. <laughs> no. In Connecticut, residents in Bridgewater have approved alcohol sales. The last dry town in Connecticut is now wet. Is it wet right now? Yeah. How would you like to have been in Bridgewater up until the point where it just became wet? Because, I mean, can it you imagine? Matter. It doesn't matter. I grew up in a town that was dry, and what happens is you just drive to the border where they've lined up all these liquor stores, and you can go and buy beer and alcohol and whatever. I I can't tell you. This is the truth. I have had so many Grape Encounters listeners come from all over the country. They're now coming to the Grape Encounters Emporium. And they come here and they start talking about how different wine legislation is in their Mm -hmm. states or counties versus here. And they're like, you know, it's unimaginable for them to be sitting here drinking wine and being able to just buy it any place, anytime. Buying at a grocery store is novel for a lot of people in America. Yeah, exactly. Which is sad. So in, in Bridgewater, because this legislation has passed... It means there are no longer any restrictions to direct shipping wine in Connecticut, which is great. And then in New Hampshire, Millsfield was one of three cities prohibiting direct consumer wine shipments. That ended this week. So just two more cities left in New Hampshire before it is no longer. Okay, what else? As part of its 30th anniversary celebration of the Financial Times, it looked back on how wine has changed over the last 30 years. Why did the Financial Times look back on the last 30 years of wine? Because it's their 30th anniversary. And this is and that's why it's writer. taken a lot of wine to get that paper out. Yeah, apparently. Okay. Okay, anyway. So in 1985, Australia hadn't begun wide distribution of its wine, was only shipping 2% of its wine to the rest of the world. That's amazing. Today, it's 60%. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. In the 80s, Chardonnay was all the rage and was up until the early 90s. When Do you know what happened? To knock Chardonnay off its pedestal? Yeah, they put too much oak in it. Well, that's part of it. But it was a 60-minute story on the health benefits of red wine and suddenly Cabernet Sauvignon took over. Oh, this professor in France came up with this French pair, and he just died recently. Did he? Of old age. Yeah. But he uh, he lived... No, seriously, he did. And he lived a pretty long time. And he came out with that story that answered the question, why is it that the French eat so much butter and fat and lard and, you know, foie gras and, and they live to a ripe old age? And they came to the conclusion that it was the wine. And 60 Minutes did the story and... Like overnight. Overnight. You know what? And, and I've come to the conclusion after coming back from Europe, it's the walking. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's lots the of walking, walking in man. It's like it's like my blisters had blisters. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In 1986, Robert Parker was featured in the Sunday Times as an up-and-coming American wine writer who introduced the concept of scoring wines out of a hundred, and it took off globally. Even was used in China. And hysteria about that is it's not really scoring wines on the basis of a hundred. It's really scoring wines on the basis of twenty. Because where have you ever seen? You've never seen it. You've never seen a seven. 
79. You know, if a wine says score a 79, uh, it means that you might want to use it to take rust off of your bumper. <laughs> uh, in 1987, New World wines had three attributes that were seen as particularly attractive. Number one was extra sunshine resulted in wines that seemed riper, friendlier, and readier to drink than Europe's offerings. The New World named wines after the grape rather than a complicated regulated geographical appellation. Yeah, explain that, by the way, because I'm not you sure that... You explain that. Well, okay, I will. If you go to Europe, they will name the wines after the Appalachian, like Bordeaux or Champagne. You know, here, we'll call a wine a Chardonnay. Because that's what the grape is. Yeah. It's easier. It's yeah. more consumer-friendly. Yeah, exactly. And then the other the other attribute that people really liked, New World winemakers were scientifically trained and knew how to use techniques to produce dependably clean, fruity, though sometimes too oaky, wines. Yes. And that's that story. Yep. And that's that story. You got one more? One more. The Vin Expo 2015 takes place in June in Bordeaux. The Vin Expo commissioned a report on where global wines market is going next. The report projects a rise in wine consumption by nearly 4% by 2018, which equates to the world drinking about 2.73 billion cases of wine in 2018. Billion cases of wine. 2.73 billion. That's 32.8 billion bottles of wine. It's really funny now that you put it in those terms. When you are in Europe and you talk to European winemakers, they will tell you how many bottles of wine they make. In California and really throughout the U.S., they will tell you how many cases of wine they make. Interesting. Isn't that odd? Yeah. And a lot of times when I'm talking to European winemakers, I'll go, so how many cases are we talking there? And then I do not know. <laughs> we, we make 12,000 bottles of wine. Well, that would be a thousand cases. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Interesting. Thanks. So I want I want to give you a last image to go out on, okay? Okay. 32.8. Because I don't want it to be the image of you with those pink ears <laughs> on. You. Yeah. Okay. 32.8 billion bottles of wine is enough to fill 102 floors of the Empire State Building 23 times or... 23 times. 23 times. I thought you were going to say one time. No, 23 times. Do you think the Empire State Building is airtight enough to do that? No. You could also, with this much wine... Who went and said, let's see, what's got the right amount of airspace for us to <laughs> make this analogy? Okay, so, what else you got? So this much wine could also flood the island of Manhattan in a foot deep of wine. All right. That's ridiculous. No, that... How do you flood an island? You don't flood an island. <laughs> you do. You, you don't put an island a foot under. It, it all flows out to the sea. Like, you can... That's where the term red tide came from. <laughs> oh, okay. Seriously, that was their analogy. Why would they pick Manhattan? Why pick on Manhattan? Why don't you say it would fill the entire state of Rhode Island? Well, because nobody cares about Rhode Island. Of course they do. The people in Rhode Island do. <laughs> I don't know that they do. Yes, they do. But, you know, it's like, why Manhattan? Well, because Manhattan is an international city and this is an international study. Okay. I that's hope all that. the news I hope that. Guys. I was going to say, I hope that's it. That's it. That's all I got. All right. That's going to do it. Next week, we'll be back with more Grape Encounters. That's the end of Grape Encounters. Today, Larry and I will be coming to you live from Manhattan, where we will be doing this entire show snorkeling. In one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see you next week. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition. <laughs>